morning. Good morning. Welcome to Morning Coffee. I'm Jess. And I'm James. I feel like we should always start these off by mentioning what we had for breakfast. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess we're having coffee now, but we normally do this right after we have breakfast. Yeah, and I like to take like Saturday morning breakfasts really slow. So for breakfast today, we had a turkey, egg, and monster cheese sandwich, and I put gochujang mayo on mine, mm-hmm. and it was delicious and very moist. There's avocado in there too. Oh yeah, an avocado. Yeah. Found an old avocado in the fridge that was perfectly preserved. Yeah. It was delicious. It was really good. I accidentally bought a pound of cheese and a pound of turkey. So now we have to get through it. Yeah. But I'm a believer now in Munster. I, I haven't really like gone out of my way to order something with Munster cheese in it. But Man. the cheese in that sandwich day was it's the was best really cheese. Good. It's the best. And you know, I'm a boar's head girl. <laughs> and it's like boar's head turkey, boar's head cheese. It's all good. And. I should let everybody know that I just absolutely love Boar's Head's slogan. Compromise elsewhere. Ooh. <laughs> Boar's Head's compromise elsewhere. They, they've got... It shook the, you. They've got cojones to Ooh. to say that. Yeah, but it's true, though. It's it's like 100% true. It's luxury. Like, I don't get cold cuts unless I'm, like, desperate if it's not Boar's Head. Yeah. I could imagine, like... Lamborghini or Ferrari using that slogan like compromise elsewhere (laughs) I feel like having like a and I wonder I I don't know but I I wonder if having like a diehard like cold cut brand that you live by is a byproduct of being like a Korean daughter of like you know grocery store owners I'm just like I have like such loyalty to the boar's head brand and I'll never compromise Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known that because I don't as a kid, I never really like ordered. Oh, well, my parents would order cold cuts, but I have no clue about the whole cold yeah. cut like, buying system. Like the universe, the cold cut universe. Yeah, but when it comes to Boar's Head, the like neighborhood deli, like there's always like a Boar's Head truck, and whenever you walk by, there's always like Boar's Head everywhere. So as a kid, I kind of just assumed that the only cold cut that existed was boar's head Mm. because that branding was everywhere so anytime i got cold cuts i guess in my head i just automatically assumed it was boar's head Mm. i didn't know it was a like top tier luxury luxury cold cuts cold cuts (laughs) that their slogan is yeah you have to pay a lot for us if you want to pay cheap you're not getting us they're like the apple of cold cuts wow that's yeah. some deep shit. Their branding's really good. I always remember the like black truck with like the red line and then the golden like mm-hmm. boar's head on it. We Very had, good branding. Actually, we had boar's head like clothing, you know, mm-hmm. because like they, you know, they do the promotional stuff yeah. to grocery store owners. I would love a boar's head hat. <laughs> you know, I think I'm falling in love right now with boar's head branding. <laughs> I didn't realize. It's been in front of me this whole time, and it's amazing branding. It's such a deep part of who you are as a person. Wow. I just became a Boar's Head brand stand. Oh, you a Boar's Head ho. Welcome to the club. (laughs) Should we get matching Boar's Head lower back tattoos? No, no. We're not at that level yet. Okay, well. Fascinating intro. Good morning. Good morning. How was your your week? What was anything on your mind that happened in the past week since our last 
podcast. Yeah, I mean, I'd say like without getting too deeply into it, um, it's kind of been like a. It's been a. It's been an interesting week. Um, so my beloved family cat passed away on yeah. Sunday last week, and I think it also coincided with like many weeks of feeling kind of like stuck and low. And so my past week has actually been very actively trying to not sink into like the spiraling side of emotions, I'd say. So I so I'd say like the theme of this week has been what I learned was called opposite action, mm-hmm. which is like if I feel like I want to stay in bed till one o'clock PM. I'm going to very intentionally take the opposite action and make sure I go outside for a walk the minute I wake up. Or if I like want to be by myself, I intentionally take the opposite action of like messaging a friend or accepting like an invite to hang out. Um, and it's been great. It's you know it's been really helpful mm-hmm. because I, I'm pretty sure otherwise I'd be like in bed till like 1 p.m so it's like you're just trying to break a cycle yeah yeah and like i i have weeks where i like let myself be there um but then once i feel like it might get like a little bit too um it's almost like the image i'm seeing is like there's like low-grade inflammation and high-grade inflammation and like low-grade inflammation it's like i'm just gonna be like i need to be calm i need to rest i need to be still and i'll like let myself be a blob around the house but once it feels like high-grade inflammation my my like feelings feel like high-grade inflammation i'm like all right i gotta go like find something to balance it out i have to like neutralize this fire yeah so i've been going outside every day i've been taking walks in the morning thank you for doing them with me um i think they're good for both of us and really like gets us out of bed i've been co-working with friends like just two of us silently on a laptop together next to each other i've been taking walks with friends um yesterday i had a full day of like sitting on stoops and just talking um with my friends with two different friends at two different times and it felt very much like my favorite like moments in high school where all I did was like sit on park steps and smoke cigarettes and talk to people for like hours. So I had like a, I had a really good week in addition to, you know, the kind of grief that's been really heavy. Um, Grief because of like my cat, but also just grief because of all the stuff going on in the world and grief because of like health scares. And I think I want, the grief to coexist with joy instead of just being like the only thing. So, yeah. 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 I feel like when things spiral out of your control, the best thing you can do is just look at your immediate surroundings and yeah. just like ground yourself in it. And yeah, just find yourself attaching yourself to the things you can control, the things that are just like immediately around you. Yeah. Just like seek that out because there is. A lot of tough stuff happening and you know a lot of stuff that's beyond you and me yeah what we can do but all we could do is kind of just go back to the basics like our what's happening in our normal everyday lives who are like our immediate direct connections around us and just yeah connecting with them and just yeah like finding those moments to just like yeah connect with the people that you actually have direct access to yeah i think 
it's really easy to forget how important connection is with other people. And I, I told you I've been reading that uh, Vivek Murthy book together. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those who don't know, Vivek Murthy is the, was the U.S. Surgeon General um, during the Obama administration. And he published a book on what he felt was the leading cause of sickness and death in the U.S., which he surprisingly realized was loneliness. And the book has really, really beautiful um, research and stories of both how loneliness is this like unseen underlying factor in a lot of things like drug addiction or um, like uh, pain, um, physical pain registration, but also these really beautiful stories of how connection is the antithesis of like a lot of the burdens we carry. Yeah. And I only really managed to read like a few pages a week. Um, But whenever I do, I end up thinking a lot about like the human condition now, society now, like post-COVID trauma, like war stuff, but and how we are all like unconsciously trapped in these cycles of loneliness. But I think something else that's been coming to mind a lot is this question of like, am I actually introverted or am I like an extrovert that went through a lot of shit and like slipped into introversion, mm-hmm. you know? Cause he talks about that in the book, how like when you go through stuff, you enter the state of hypervigilance and nothing is around you seems safe. So you wall yourself up and then it perpetuates this cycle of like loneliness creates anxiety, but anxiety creates loneliness and loneliness Mm. creates depression, but depression creates loneliness. And so like, what's the chicken? What's the egg? Mm. Well, I think to go back to the like introvert versus extrovert, I think it's important to clear up like what the definition is or what your definition of what an introvert is versus what an extrovert is. Because Mm. when we first met, we I'm had like different convinced you're an extrovert. Yeah, we had different <laughs> opinions of the label. Like, am I an extrovert or am I an introvert? But it also depends on what your definition of an extrovert right. versus an intro- introvert is. Like, so, I don't think being shy makes you an introvert by yeah. default. So, my person, I, I would always say that I'm an introvert. But when you, I think you put the definition out there that it, whether you're an introvert or extrovert depends on whether or not you get energy from being with people or you like lose energy from being with people right and your feeling that you're an introvert is because you feel like when you're with people you're like battery you always talk about your batteries like getting drained with certain people there are certain people i can hang out with and i i could be tired Mm -hmm. but hanging out with them doesn't drain me and those are the ones i tend to see more frequently mainly because like if my battery bank is not high enough to socialize i i just can't like yeah. I, after like an hour or two i have to bounce you know yeah that's so interesting. i've always like considered myself an, an introvert even though most introverts see me as pretty extroverted because i'd be out there talking to strangers and like making friends and yeah you know that's why i would see you as an extrovert because you seem to have an easier time like engaging with people who are complete strangers whereas to me i would never approach like a group of people and like 
introduce myself or find a way to get into that conversation. But then when you talk to me about like, or when I was telling you about how like five or so years ago, I used to always go to clubs and music festivals and things like that. And I was telling you how I would just people watch and like watch people dancing in the crowd and it would like give me energy and make me feel like dancing or make me feel like into the vibe that was happening. And if you do define introvert versus extrovert of like getting energy from people versus energy getting drained by people, there are elements of me that I'm like, oh, maybe I am an extrovert because when I go to certain things, only certain situations where there's groups of people, I'm like energized by it. Mm -hmm. But I would say like you, like there are also nuances where there are other situations where I completely get drained by people. For example, like work happy hours. Right. Like when you're around a bunch of coworkers, especially coworkers from like different departments that you never interact with, and it's more of like forced interactions. Down, battery gets drained, strained. hate it. I want to just peel myself inside out. Yeah, but then again, if you hang out with your group of coworkers that you're friendly and like you can yeah. shoot the shit all day. Yeah. Like. I might get energy from that group of people where we like, yeah. you know. I mean, they did say that, like, it's not that binary anymore. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, it, like, introversion and extroversion is on a spectrum. And, like, the whole middle section is called ambiversion. I which mean, I, everybody's an ambivert. Right, ex- if you argue that. But it's like, yeah, like, when we first met and you're like, oh, like, the idea of spending three days at a music festival with loud music and hundreds of people with your group of like 10 friends i'm like that's the most extroverted shit i've ever heard of (laughs) i'm like i would never i could not like just i could i could not fathom the idea of having that much stimulation and not being able to escape right yeah but you know as i get older too i think you know and with the internet like I, I learn about these things like you can like there's being a highly empathetic person there's being a highly sensitive person where like the environment really like impacts you and I I think about when I was younger and I really was out in those streets like I was out till four in the morning making friends with strangers I was you know out there partying I loved not partying but I was just out there you know gallivanting around and I really enjoyed the company of people and I I'm pretty sure that that changed after I went through like a series of unfortunate events in 2008 and all of a sudden my nervous system just became incredibly sensitive you know so it's it's something that i've been really thinking about especially as i'm reading this book and how much i recognize that human connection is the remedy especially i think as asians like we come from like an ancestrally collectivist society right so like this level of isolation that is like common in the US, not just because we're a Western society, but because of like social media and and all this other stuff, location, like there's a part of me that just like knows I wanna figure out a way to break that isolation cycle. Like I think about my friends raising kids by themselves and like, you know, and I think about how like communal child rearing is like so common in all these other cultures. I'm like, yeah, I gotta figure out a way to 
like humanly not just on the internet like i gotta figure out a way to like be in the presence of people again yeah yeah i mean i i heard about that whole thing about loneliness being like there's a loneliness epidemic um because i was watching uh brian chesky the ceo of uh airbnb Mm -hmm. he did like this harvard business like talk and he was talking about you know people someone asked them like what they see the challenges oh, the for stanford Airbnb. business one? Oh, stanford. stanford business yeah um somebody in the audience had asked him like what he foresees being like the future challenges for airbnb or like what are the things that he's looking at solving and he thinks that he specifically talked about that surgeon general i believe that's the one that wrote that book like he had hired her as like a consultant or something for airbnb and basically he, he said that 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 stat there's a stat about loneliness being like one of the leading causes of death yeah like like, more than 50 like 15 cigarettes a day or something like that yeah and like that he talked about that example if you have a spouse and that spouse passes away like your chances your chances yourself of passing away uh like increase like three times or something like that within the like two or three years of yeah of i i I, I mean i don't quote me on that stat but it was something crazy like that yeah in the book, apparently that happens. It's a it's a Japanese word for the condition, but that happens because that like the Japanese word um, has something to do with the word octopus, because mm-hmm. your heart like takes a certain shape, like it physically changes after it experiences like the deep grief of a loss of loved one, and because that heart physically changes, it leads to like heart attacks and. Yeah. Like you're you're physically dying of grief, you know, or loneliness. Isn't that insane? Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. And I remember we were watching that Blue Zones mm-hmm. uh show on Netflix. Um so if you don't know about the show on Netflix, it's basically the they talk about they go to different places around the world where the average lifespan of a person like approaches a hundred years old. So there's a guy who's doing research about like what what's happening in these communities that get people to live so long in those communities, and one of the things they brought up in in all of these com- in, all, in all of these communities is that they are very like community based, or the people who do live the longest have like a very core set of friends that they have regular like meetups and they get together and like that sense or of family like, yeah or yeah or they have their entire like family yeah. together like in the Philippines for example. Um, families there have like compounds like the Mm -hmm. entire family like they buy up like you know three properties next to each other and they all Mm -hmm. like live literally next door to one another Mm -hmm. uh whereas you know here you're living like families are living across yeah the coasts or something like that for example and families are so far apart and the only time you're able to get together as a family mostly in the western like is like thanksgiving and you know i think the perception too of like getting together with your family and thanksgiving is like oh like it's it's like a chore that people don't want to do yeah so i think there's like a sense of like yeah at having either family or having like a close group of friends is super important to just kind of like maintaining your your happiness and your mood and even your life like theoretically yeah um two two responses to that question or two thoughts that popped up in response to that question one is how did you grow up in terms of like the family like because i think i remember you saying you had family that kind of lived close to you and you were like kind of your family was pretty involved with like a close-knit community and well so 
my family is so of both my mom and my dad's side they're the only sibling that moved to the well not the only because my dad has a sister so my dad has one sister that moved to the united states my mom is the only of her siblings that moved to the united states everybody's back in the philippines but um we came to the united states because my dad's eldest sister moved out here and like paved the way basically yeah and we ended up living literally like you know 10 houses down from where Mm -hmm. uh, my dad's eldest sister lives so we had them like that we had that whole family but that was pretty much it Mm -hmm. that's like all the family we had growing up here Mm -hmm. in the united states and they were 10 houses down from where we lived i think mine is pretty a a similar story my dad's uh, eldest sister moved to america bought the house that we grew up in and then anybody who immigrated just like lived in that house but I essentially just grew up across the street from my cousins. And so, you know, my co- my two cousins, aunt and uncle, and our family lived, like my mom, my dad, my grandma, grandpa, like we all lived in one unit. And my cousins lived across the street. And I have like really strong memories of like never really having the door closed like i have a lot of strong memories of like we would just drop by each other's houses we were always like in each other's spaces we were like kramer that just like kind of comes yeah to the door. but we yeah. like you know like like the four of us were always like you know lumped together the parents were like watching each other when they worked and like i remember it's it's really interesting because now i'm like oh that's like the dream like to have this like commune but growing up i actually remember a certain sense of like chaos and boundarylessness that comes with that kind of community also yeah like i you know we didn't have doors that closed like everyone peed with the door open like you know we were always just like in each other's business and at some point i was like i need to move out and be by myself and there's a lot of like personal growth that came from being by myself and i find my i find it very interesting kind of like hearing this conversation over in my head and it's almost like a full circle moment where i'm like i wish i had more like uh like more of this collective commune of family and friends Mm -hmm. like i i want to be able to just like drop by my friend's house and just be like hey i made the sandwich i have too much of it take yeah. it you know what i mean but like we're, we we respect each other so much and like don't want to burden each other i'm like all of our friends with kids we constantly tell them we're like you should drop off your kids with us anytime like go i mean it's hard to do that the farther yeah. you are away from them yeah. but for example like our friends adam and kristen they just live walking distance so we see them all the time because they're either nearby and then we come out when they're nearby or like whenever we're over in their area we like drop by so i think distance is a factor whether it's like across coasts or it's like across boroughs or across like towns like you know our friends with kids who live in astoria it it, there's a barrier there in terms of seeing them even though like geolog- ge- geographically they're not too far away yeah um so there is that balance and like going back to what you said about like growing up and wanting walls and boundaries and things like that like yeah like once i moved out like from living with roommates to living on my own like life i was in heaven like yeah you know that <laughs> that isolation Amazing. but i think the isolation 
is because privacy like i want mm-hmm. privacy and like i think the thing that's interesting is like wanting control of when you're like with people versus mm-hmm. when you're able to separate because for you you need that because you need a place to escape to to like recharge as you mentioned earlier before so it is that balance of like having a not like having that avenue for isolation mm-hmm. but then like also having the option <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but then also having easy access to community. Yeah. Like, mm. it would be amazing if all of our friends lived... Within, like, a three-block radius. Yeah, just like Adam all of and us, Kristen. Every, yeah. every, every group of friends I have, there's always that one person that's like, we should all just get houses next to each other. Have and a cul-de-sac. cul-de-sac. Or, like, a commune and just, like, you know... And I, I, I think, like, deep down inside, we all really want what we grew up with <laughs> you know yeah um but that's also tough because everybody's got jobs they're all right right it's not realistic so, yeah yeah but you know and that housing would be, is not like as accessible as it was back then yeah that's <laughs> why there's all of these like external forces yeah. that pull us apart but then there are parts of us that like want to be together mm-hmm. so it's like finding that balance or even in your case like recognizing i need to be with people and then finding people to like yeah. be with and yeah. then you know when <laughs> and i have to travel out of my one of us has to travel out of our way to see each other yeah. it's like a 40 minute commute it's a commitment to it's minimum 40 minutes right because like i have an incredibly close friend that lives in jersey now right um but i i just got like distracted by this other train of thought so let's so finish your train of thought and then i'll <laughs> my bad um well i guess it's the idea of togetherness it's like you need to have an avenue to mm-hmm. be able to meet up with people uh, because when things happen like you know your cat passes away or like a family member gets sick or something like that like i think mm. a good way to find a little bit of healing is to be with other people or be with your friends yeah. or even be with your family and as long as you have yeah. access to that that's like yeah. great i think it's great that in the past week you had access to friends who were also available to hang out with you yeah and to just like be with people so i think to kind of like close that loop on that that thread is that like it's just a good like remedy or like somewhat yeah. like soothing type of thing that when something bad happens to just seek out people and like be with people that that you enjoy people that give you energy and just hang out with them and like to very intentionally break the cycle of wanting to withdraw because i i think the reality is is that like the the instinct is actually to withdraw yeah, to just want to be alone 100%. and like not want to burden other people yeah, yeah it's it's like the instinct is to especially for something like grief mm-hmm. like you don't want to make someone else responsible for the burden of your grief. And if they're grieving, you don't want to like compound their grief with your shit. And I think that's really what like, when I imagine this past like week, I've like in my head, I'm like, what would be this like ideal? Like, how, like to me, like the, the remedy for grief is more love. And I'm like, how do I, what, what kind of love do I want? right now what what kind of love is my grief looking for and the image i got in my head was of cooking with friends who specifically also with friends who might be grieving on for their own reasons yeah i invited one of our friends to essentially just like 
dude, like, I really want to, for some reason, I just want to cook with you. Like, would you mind, would you want to come over and, like, cook together? Yeah. And But I think the reason why loneliness is so dangerous is specifically for those things you brought up about the heart contracting. Like, there's so much physical things that happen to you yeah. when you're grieving. Like, yeah. you know, having a full-blown, like, meltdown or panic attack where your body's just like hyperventilating like that's killing your body Mm -hmm. you know so when you seek out people to do things like cooking and you know to call it a distraction feels like you're like no like i'm not it's not evaluating what i'm moving into it yeah i want to be in it with people i love because bad things happen and it's not about like forgetting that person you're not forgetting that person you're not like Mm -hmm. you know like doing them like or dishonoring them by like you know focusing on something else but i think our bodies need that because if we do spend time alone like you know whatever to like have like you know crying your heart out or like you know your body's going through all of these like physical like things when you're alone and any way you could kind of like diffuse it yeah diffuse all of these like drastic Mm -hmm. changes in your body because of all the emotions that you're going through i think it's better for you long term because i think those are the things that you know you you never know like later on like when you if you end up having like a heart attack or something like you know if you really really drill down to it it's like oh all of these physical things that were happening to my body are actually it's like a car right Mm -hmm. like if you drag race your car that engine is not going to last longer than Mm. a car you're just casually driving at 30 miles per hour every single day because you're not like putting it through that stress and I feel like when you're alone you're like putting your body through an enormous stress that's Mm. like wearing down all the parts in it that will prevent it from you know lasting longer so that's kind of just like my psychological like that's how I interpret all that stuff so whenever things get tough like instead of internalizing it and like making all of my body go through all of that like stress because i'm like trying to deal something deal with something myself the easy thing is to like hey move towards things that you know soothe you like you know calm down your body so that you don't put it through like a drag race you know so yeah yeah. i think uh, you know you said move like the word movement is like key you know like for me a lot of the times it's like physical movement because when I am going through something, my executive functioning just shuts down. So I, even coming up with something to do is like impossible when I'm really like stressed. So the only thing I can think of to break myself out of that cycle is to physically move my body. Like some people like to do some hardcore shit. And for me, it's just literally taking walks or like like the, the gentlest jog just to physically break a cycle yeah like for you i feel like your movement is like creating things like video games right it's video games but it's also like you create websites you you know for yourself like you have projects that involve like a mental kind of movement towards a goal and that is the movement that'll soothe you and break you out yeah but like i think i physically i'm I'm learning you know i've been very like reflective during this time and i'm learning that for me, it's a combination of physical movement and people. And so even to me, even cooking, like cooking is I'm, I'm moving stuff into the food. And then the act of eating like continues to move that energy into people's bodies. And we talk to each other and like 
you know, the like Vivek Murthy talks about how the pain of loneliness in, in the studies that they did registers in the same part of the brain as physical pain. And they did, so they, you know, I think the study, I'm, I'm like really butchering a lot of these studies, so just read the book. But I'm like, paraphrasing, right, paraphrasing. Go to the main point. Yeah, of, but like, what she was saying. Basically, you know, in one of the studies, they compared like somebody playing a game with two people and they had those two people ignore the main player and they registered where on the brain that like response was. And they, you know, they inflicted like physical pain on somebody and saw that it was like the same centers in the second part of the study they gave people tylenol and they saw that tylenol like with the people who took tylenol when they did the exercise the the activation of the pain was lower than people who didn't take tylenol and so what they're concluding is that like if tylenol can actually reduce the physical processing or the the processing of pain in your brain of loneliness pain in your brain it makes sense that people would reach for things like alcohol or like narcotics or whatever because it is just a stronger painkiller mm -hmm. and the argument is is that connection is the medicine connection is the medicine and like i have been thinking about this a lot in a world that is constantly fragmenting and constantly on this like defensive like everyone's an enemy like self-preservation it's it's everywhere i look in the news like the world is fragmenting more and more and it's almost as if like disconnecting is this like is is like a pro movement for it's it's like pro disconnection and it it breaks my heart even more and i'm like on this mission this year to figure out a way to increase connection in the world Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do it, maybe at the very least to increase connection in my world. But I hate how fragmented we've all become mm -hmm. and how we like feel like we have to. But like for anybody listening that might feel stuck in this like loneliness cycle because you're going like I just want to I, I almost want to say as somebody who loves to be there for other people, but people don't love reaching out because they don't like they're just for one reason or another not in a place where they feel like they can like keep it like break the cycle reach out to people and give people the opportunity to love you mm -hmm. right yeah i mean it's hard to break that like there's a, a dilemma right because the people who are lonely and they don't want to burn another people they're gonna People, you won't know yeah. that you they're know. going through something. And yeah. you see all this with the news with celebrities just randomly dying and you find out they have cancer or things like that. And They'll it's because hire. they don't, yeah. like, you know, more or less on the surface, like, yeah. they look fine. So you don't know to ask them, like, hey, are you going through anything? Like, do you need someone to talk to? Because, yeah. and then at the same time, the people who are that way, like, their reason, like, sometimes... Um, some people are like, oh, it's because nobody, like, checks in on me or, like, check. But then it's like, you know, you never know. Mm -hmm. it, it's like that's like, yeah, it's a two way street. But at the same time, like if both people don't regularly check up on their friends, then you're yeah. never going to have that conversation. And if you're like always putting a mask on and hiding yeah. like your emotions, then people won't know to like yeah. come and help. So it's kind of that dilemma. And I think 
the only thing I could ask for from people is just to be as like transparent, like with your closest friends and yeah, like don't make narratives about why someone's not reaching out to you or, yeah. you know, don't make narratives about like why you sharing what you're going through is going to like burden someone else. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, people will, <laughs> at least the good friends will like understand you sharing something. Mm-hmm. And if you are burdening them, like, I think it's okay for them to say so. And like, for you to also like, yeah. find other people who, yeah. like, it's least, not, at least it's you not, know. A, it's not a personal attack on you. Like, yeah. sometimes people are going through their own shit. Sometimes people literally don't know how to hold emotions. And so it's really just, you're like, finding the right people yeah. who will listen to you. It's, it's just like, really hard to take that risk when mm-hmm. you're already feeling incredibly vulnerable and like, like under attack Mm -hmm. and so like last year um i think maybe around this time i i i i I go through cycles uh, you know enough that i can start recognizing like my symptoms so if i'm like oh i'm in bed till one o'clock for like five days a week oh that my, my my clue my objective clue is that i'm isolating myself and I'm like, oh, fuck, I think I'm depressed. Like, mm-hmm. like I might not realize it, but when I notice the symptoms now, I'm like, ah, crap. So, like, when my friends check in on me, you know, I, I do have friends that just text me and they're just like, how are you? How are you feeling? You know, because I'm usually that person for them as well. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. but um, anytime I f- like the first it was really scary last year where I was like, I need to tell people that I'm depressed. I, I have to break this cycle. So I started telling anybody who checked in on me that I'm going through, like, I call it a wave of depression because that makes it like temporary. And some people didn't respond, which is fine because they couldn't. And some people really stepped in and called me and like, you know, the other thing I have to kind of acknowledge too is that like talking it out is not always everyone's way of showing love and being there. Like I might need it, but my dad, for instance, his idea, I learned this the hard way, his idea of showing support was changing the subject mm-hmm. where I needed to confront it with him and I needed to talk about my sadness with him. And what he did was he started talking about like cars. Yeah. And, but yeah, you also need to find or, you know, through, understand their love language <laughs> through scientific method, of, like <laughs> testing it out with people yeah. and like seeing what their responses are like recognizing oh these are the people who yeah like have the type of feedback that yeah you know i'm looking for like in the same way you know there are certain people when you share something tough with them there are certain people that like always try to find solutions right and some people like like that type of feedback to be like yeah yes i want somebody to come up with 50 different solutions for yeah. me where other people are like i don't like want just, to hear yeah. your solutions all i want is like yeah. compassion and sympathy and it's like you have to communicate that yeah but everybody's different right yeah. so like you need to recognize like which yeah. people are the ones that yeah. you know are the ones that give you that type of feedback yeah. and like and understanding yeah. too that like most people will default to the kind of like unconsciously default to the kind of support they look for when they're seeking help so Sometimes, like I've heard of people just shutting, like cutting friends off for not being like the right kind of support. But it's like, 
if I think about things in a compassionate lens, which understandably is really hard to do when you're like depressed, but some friends will literally send you memes because they're like, I want you to laugh. Or some friends will only really know how to just sit next to you. So they'll offer to come over and like watch a movie or you you might not even realize that that's what you need to just have somebody next to you not talk about it not be in it but you can cry your ass off but i'm gonna be watching tv eating popcorn next to you pretending like it's not happening yeah like those are little acts of love that i think we're forgetting our acts of love yeah and that's also why like you know this week i'm like you know i don't really want or like feel like i need to talk about my cat you know, like yeah. it seems so trivial to just like, oh, my cat, but whatever. He was he was with us for 16 years. But and I also know that the friend that I reached out to may not necessarily want to talk about the stuff that he's going through. But man, what we can do is feed each other and yeah. not talk about it. And that to me, in my, my theory, is that the love can help dilute the grief. Yeah. And like for our people, like, you know, food is a love language. And I'm I want to cook for friends, even though I can't really cook when I'm like this, Mm -hmm. like the desire and the compulsion to cook and be cooked for. Is that a word to be cooked for, to have someone Mm -hmm. cook for me Mm -hmm. feels so strong this month. Um, So I'm going to try to seek it and make it happen, you know. Yeah, I think that's great. Like, I think you recognize this week the types of things that you can go to to kind of, you know, ease some of that um, burden the next time it happens. Uh, I was thinking as you were talking, like, you know, different people, like, it's not like we're recommending that this is something that everybody does for themselves because I think each person is different in the way that they cope with something or the way that they grew with something. I think for me, my main takeaway is just finding the things that will, like, reduce that... Mm -hmm that drastic stress that your body's going to undergo like if you're going to be by yourself and your you know your body's going to go through these extremes up ups and downs in grieving for the thing that you lost like seek that thing that is going to smooth that over like you know for me it's video games but i was thinking about your dad for example (laughs) like when your cat passed away like he took it the hardest well your mom like would always mention Mm -hmm. your cat and your dad like immediately like shuts down and like doesn't He's want like, to talk about he it. He specifically said he requested don't talk about it. Yeah. But then what I encouraged you to do was like call him and then when you're on the phone with him I told you to ask him about baseball what he was watching and, and he was like mm-hmm. watching the baseball playoffs. And yeah. Then I had you ask him like what team is he rooting for and like Yeah. And he was like engaging. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that goes back to what you re- recognize about your dad is that the way his solution for coping with things is to distract. Yeah, it's to change the subject. So you're basically just, you know, each person is wired differently. And mm-hmm. like the way you could be there for your other friends is to understand like the way that they yeah. like coping and then working with that. If that's not the way like you're yeah. naturally, uh, the way you naturally are like, if you don't have the energy to do that, then helping them find the people who do like yeah. naturally like work with the way that they grieve or the way that they cope. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because. I'm wondering if my theme of the year, you know, because I always have a theme that like emerges around the fall. And I'm wondering if my theme of the year is actually going to be connection because I'm seeing everything through that lens right now and seeing how it fits. So, for instance, with my dad, 
He prefers not to talk about it, but that doesn't mean he prefers not to talk. So in my head, like, I think before what I would have done was actually just leave him alone. I'm like, oh, he needs space. But I'm still understanding that connection is a a medicine for grief. I now want to look for different ways to connect with him that still involves changing the subject and distraction. But it's a, it's just a different form of connection. Like my, my concern with things like video games is that video games can further isolate you and bubble you in this world. So like video games in general might be soothing to, you know, I, I have a theory. I was watching you play Tetris when you're really stressed and I'm like, oh, like your eyes have to move left and right constantly. Like, I wonder if this is like a form of EMDR, like, which is, you know, bilateral, like psych nerd stuff. But like basically, in you know, you move your eyes left and right or you do things that stimulate to, to the two sides of your brain at the same time while you're talking about or thinking about something really stressful because your nervous system doesn't react to it, right? But I'm yeah. like, oh, maybe it's like, I, I know there are things that are therapeutic about it. However, I'm like pretty convinced and I have to spend this year testing out this theory, but I'm pretty convinced that connection is the remedy to really difficult life things, <laughs> you know? So like what I have to do is, and what I'm doing right now and what I really want people to do is just be like really relentless in your search for joy, like not as a distraction. Like I think you have to still process the grief and like talk about it and acknowledge it. Like it's not gonna go away. It's just gonna fester if you don't like let it finish. You have to let your grief finish. And you can do that alongside joy and connection. Like you have to look for it as a human. Like I have to be super relentless in trying different things you know yeah yeah that's been what's been on my mind this week (laughs) 